Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Daily Friend Wrap. I'm your host, Michael Florimer. Today, joined by Saragon. Let's get into the first story of today. And this is about the ANC and the organizational trouble it seems to be in. Well, some reporting over the weekend, which we'll get into, about the ANC being in a bit of a state of uh, disarray. But the bad news just kind of keeps on coming. So uh, I can't remember how long ago it was exactly now, but uh, I think it was more than a year ago that the ANC faced the prospect of running completely out of money. And they seem to have managed to sort of evade that trap for the time being. But the situation has not gotten any better. The ANC has been found to owe 150 million rand to Ezulweni Investments for election material that the company says it provided them in for the 2019 elections. They say they uh, gave them a whole bunch of election banners at sort of 2,900 rand a pop, uh, 30,000 of them that they were owed this money on the ANC. The ANC claimed that it had no contractual obligations, that it hadn't signed any sort of contract, and the company was able to produce evidence that, in fact, there was some sort of deal. So the High Court found that the ANC is going to have to pay the money, and, in fact, they are now facing liquidation of their assets. They are not able to meet the 150 million rand owed for this. Uh, you are hereby directed to attach and take the movable goods of the execution debtors of Af- African National Congress of Chief Albert Latuli Haas and of the same cause to be realized by public auction. Um, I'll read some details about that, says the court order. Uh, Sarah, not a great place for the ANC to be when we're probably less than a year from an election. Well, particularly the way it stopped the uh, liquidation or essentially removal of assets, rather. Um, was by appealing against the case. And the, it's the Supreme Court of Appeals that said, this is absolute nonsense. Um, you owe the money. There was, a, uh, presumably, they owe the money because there was a contract. And um, the, the removal of assets must progress. So, wow, timing. That's, uh, ANC is just not hitting the sweet spot. Not at all. Um, and, and, and like I said, over the, over the weekend, we had these, these branches, the story about the ANC's branches being all in disarray. Um, once again, not something you really want going into an election cycle. Well, well, I think we're hitting the perfect storm here because an, a report, com- you know, which was written by the sort of everlasting report writer for the ANC, Halima Motlante, uh, said that basically things are not going well. They're not getting um, about a third of their branches are not putting forward candidates for the election and it's partly because they don't have the funding to do the work and partly because um, they don't trust the ANC anymore and there's a great deal of disgruntlement I mean they were described I think literally as people as they were walking one of the one of the um, ministers described in the NEC meeting this and were walking away from us and, and I think this is really a problem and there were complaints that the only time they'll get money is if they wait long enough when they hit an, you know, the, the election proper close to it, suddenly they'll get the money. Um, but it was not flattering and it was adopted, the report. Um, but then Fakili Balula yesterday sort of threw his toys out of the cot, um, as he's wont to do, and he said, we must get to the bottom of who leaked this report, which of course means that there is a report and that's what it said and it's all true and what better source? <laughs> no, it uh, is not always very subtle when it comes to this kind of uh, public um, discussion. But, you know, when we talk a little bit about what exactly is going to sort of shift the dial on next year's election, it's clear now that the results are going to be perhaps the most interesting we've had in South Africa's democratic history. 
Uh, and the kind of things that can kind of turn an election from a narrow victory to a narrow defeat is exactly when you have these sort of organizational problems. And, uh, you know, I have some experience in, in elections and campaigning and that kind of thing. And the ANC has traditionally been the most organized, best funded, most expansive political organization in the country by far. The ANC, and I'm not sure if this is still the case, but until quite recently, they had a branch in every single ward in the country, a functioning branch of some kind. Um, they were able to put up candidates everywhere. They were always able to at least put a presence on the ground, even in a place where they would get 8% of the vote or something like that, mm -hmm. like a DA stronghold or something. And so this, uh, this to me is a very ominous sign for them electorally. And this is the kind of thing that can make them go, you know, we've seen polling putting the ANC anywhere between 50% and 40%, basically. Mm -hmm. If you're going to end up with an ANC closer to 40% than 50, it's this sort of stuff that I think will put them there. Uh, well, can I just say, because I think it's worth noting that their biggest problem is in KZN, and it's the probably the province they can least afford to not have a strong set of candidates because the IFP and to a lesser extent the DR are putting pressure on them in the province. So I think that's exactly. important. They, exactly things are not right. All right, let's move on to our next story. And this is that the Jinshuan uh, Group of International Resources uh, South Africa, the South African Platinum Group Metal Project is planning to cut 75% of its workforce as it restructures operations. As it says, the main causes for this are a sharp decline in metal prices and a variety of uh, disruptions to its operations, cites things like strikes and uh, uh, you know, so it's not just the, it's not just the, the sort of environment but it's also the, the conditions under which these mining companies um, are operating. And this is, Sarah, not a new phenomenon at all. In fact, over the last couple of weeks, there's just been a steady drumbeat of news, particularly from platinum mines, that they are forcing to either close or massively downsize or shift their workers around or something like that. Um, and I think the point to be made here is that, you know, mining is not some sort of magical golden goose where you can just kind of endlessly make money forever you miners can almost in any environment make some money but mm. the 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 worse the conditions are the more restrictive the labor regulations the higher the taxes the more constricting the the sort of safety regulation all these other things that businesses complain about the less resilience mm. a company has when something like a price fall down happens and this is i think exactly what we're seeing here we're seeing kind of chickens that were you know being raised a very long time ago coming home mm -hmm. to roost um in south africa's mining industry i think i mean hop back to yesterday's uh, discussion where i think john andrews said you know if they if they could move their assets like a lot of other companies can a lot of the mining companies would have gone a long time ago. And if you think about it, there, there, there are two sort of quite startling elements to this. The one is the fact that if people can mine in the DRC and Mali, surely they can mine in South Africa. So presumably what's making it difficult to mine in South Africa is overregulation, the uh, community pressure, unions, illegal strikes. And, and, I mean, China is not exactly a pushover, and they're probably thinking the, – this is way beyond our experience. We, we've got to get out of here. That, I think, should be the third wake-up call for the ANC. That, you know, no, it's, it's haunted China once out. I think, I think you make a really great point there about DRC and Mali. And I think the way to sort of explain that is this. You know, if you want a very safe, stable, but expensive mine, you go to a place like Australia. 
Um, and then if you want some kind of cowboy wild west, everyone has to be bribed. It's all chaos. There's probably nasty things going on in the mine, but you know, your costs are very low. You go to somewhere like DRC or Mali. South Africa manages to sit in the middle of those two points where it's both expensive in terms of the production you get. And also there's lots of rules and regulation and kind of chaos. So we don't even benefit from cowboy capitalists coming here to rake the earth clean of our resources, (laughs) Um, which, you know, DRC and Mali are able to at least extract some wealth from. Uh, And the result is unemployed people, starving people, people who have to move, you know, out of the, the areas where the mines are to the cities to desperately seek hope, uh, uh, you know, opportunities there. And it just compounds our many, many social issues okay. in the country. Particularly mining, the ripple effects. Yeah. Exactly. Because I, I think there was a study once that's in South Africa, miners often support very many dependents. I think, uh, I can't remember and exactly, it's, it's, but it's it was smaller, like 10. Yeah, and it's the smaller industries that support the mine, you know, that do business with the mine from communities. So it's, 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 exactly. it's a disaster. Exactly. Okay, let's go on to our last story. And, you know, often we hear about stock theft in South Africa. And the focus, I think, in the sort of discussion is often on, you know, these bigger farmers. Uh, there's this sort of stereotypical view of this being some kind of this, you know, often when this is discussed in public, there's like a a line of some sort of racial antagonism going on underneath that uh, commentators, I think, put onto this to say, oh, you know, there's white farmers with cattle and there's black, uh, you know, assailants or thieves or something like that. But the the reality is not really that, and that stock theft really affects everyone, mm. not just sort of wealthy commercial farmers with huge farms. Mm. Um, and there was an interesting article in News24 about this, about how farmers in townships around Cape Town are really suffering from stock theft. And they go on to talk about how there are uh, such a problem with stock theft that you have these kind of people who, you know, basically they live on the edge of the town. They have these little gardens, these little uh, areas, and, you know, they raise 15 sheep or something like that, you know, very small Mm -hmm. amounts. Um, and they are seriously suffering from them. The number of they, these guys are interviewed. Um, they say that usually the stock is stolen to be sold for funerals and traditional ceremonies. Um, and and the farmers say, you know, it pains us to have our stock stolen because we work hard for many years to get to the point of owning a flock. We often start with like one or two animals. Uh, one guy says he began farming five years ago. He also went to university to study agriculture but didn't complete his degree. And now his stock is getting stolen and he's basically lost literally half a decade of work. Mm. Um, Mm. And to make matters worse, many of these farmers have actually given up on reporting this stuff to the police. They just say, there's no point because we'll never get our stock back. The police don't do anything. Um, Sara, you know, what... What can be done about stock theft? I mean, surely this is one of those glaring indictments of the police force and how uh, from the poorest to the richest to the in-between, everyone's life is significantly negatively impacted by uh, uh, crime. Well, if if you want to create unity across classes in South Africa and races, um, stock theft is a lovely example. You have your stuff stolen. um, You you can't recover it. The police are often in cahoots. 
um, or they're just not interested. So if I said that about someone with thousands of hectares with lots of beautiful cows, or I said that about a guy with 10 sheep, the same applies. It is hugely problem, and of course it is an investment. It is a, it is an asset, and the ability, you know, it's that dreadful thing of watching the criminal classes deprive the hard-working classes of body and soul. And it, it, mm. I suspect if anything's going to be done about it, it needs someone other than uh, Beckett Bailey at the helm of the police. No, I think that's exactly right. You know, we still have so many cases of terrible stock. Theft. I know a, a, a guy um, lives in Matatial and his, uh, you know, entire, he had, I think, a couple hundred heads of sheep stolen, taken across the border into Lesotho. Um, most of them, most of them killed on the walk because the, the thieves usually don't care too much about actually preserving that many of the livestock because it's all free to them anyway. Um, and they only recover like maybe 10% of the, of, of the livestock that's stolen. Uh, and it's, it's devastating. It's basically the destruction of wealth um, and exactly. opportunity. Exactly. But we also seeing uh, this, just to, to comment on that, I mean, another politician who took control of land meant for a community and he won't let them on it yes. and they have no benefit of it. And the, the, the sheer venality is awful. Exactly, exactly. So this is another reason why policing is one of those things that if we want to, it sort of goes hand in hand with creating economic growth. We want people to get lifted out of poverty. We want society to begin improving. You need to improve the basics of police work, which is that at the very least, people, a very poor guy who gets one of his four sheep stolen should feel safe in going to the cops and saying, um, my sheep has been stolen, please help me look for it. Maybe he doesn't get it back, but the moment that people begin to actually trust the police enough to do that, I think will be a sign that we are back on the road to success. Okay, that is all the time we have for today. We hope that you found this show interesting. That's a wrap.